Welcome into a jam-packed Tuesday drive. Wake Forest basketball coach Steve Fords will be here later in the hour. And I've finally made up my mind, Robert, on the three players I'd like to see the Charlotte Hornets take at number three. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But I want to start with the Carolina Panthers and the player who's quickly becoming the X factor of Phil Snow's defense and potentially one of the best training camp stories, not just on the team, but I'd argue across the National Football League. I'm talking about Jeremy Chen, who is easily the rookie the Panthers are most excited about. That isn't to say he's the most talented. Derek Brown, there's a lot of expectations being put on the rookie out of Auburn's shoulders, having to start immediately right next to KK Short. A lot of that pick was made to fill a massive need there. The second pick was Yaturgros Matos, who apparently has shown great upside. Matt Rule feels like that by the end of the season, that's a guy who could be starting for this team. Then you got a player the Panthers traded into the second round to take, Chin out of Southern Illinois. And on draft night, or I should say Friday night of draft week, after they drafted Chin, Marty Herney, this was the player he was most excited about. This was the one he was grinning ear to ear, just lighting up to talk about. And they feel like they have a steal here. They feel like they got a first-round talent late in the second round with their third pick. And he's impressed vets. So it's not just you see potential and you hope it pays off years from now. They're already seeing immediate return on investment at camp. And remember, Carolina, no OTAs. Haven't had a chance to see these guys in preseason. Jeremy Chin's already impressed some of the Panthers' vets. This is Trey Boston last week when he was asked about Jeremy Chin. You know, he has a possibility to be a real deal. And I say that because I've seen guys coming here. You know, he reminds me a little bit of Shaq when Shaq first came in here. Um, Shaq was the first, you know, rookie I had seen that I was just like, boop, yeah, that guy's a pro. You know, that's that, that kid's going to be special. And you could argue, after KK Short, Shaq Thompson's the best player on this defense. Shaq was a first-round pick out of Washington. He's also playing a position that I think Chen is competing at. Playing an outside linebacker. Trying to get in there. Maybe a big nickel is what Matt Rule's calling it. But when I looked at draft mocks going into April, with Carolina being a bad team, last place in their division, you tend to be an expert on the draft. Chen was a player that was compared to Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. Wasn't that the guy, Robert, we were most excited for Carolina at seven? Like when we talked about mock drafts, what we would ideally want to see, Simmons was the guy that we wanted the most, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. So I don't think Carolina would ever say truthfully what their thinking was going into the draft, but maybe with Simmons available on the board and them deciding to go with Derek Brown instead, maybe some of the thinking was, they can get a guy they don't feel is a massive drop-off from Simmons in the second round with Chin and still get their guy with Derrick Brown. Potentially. They are going to play a similar position. I haven't had as much time to watch Chin at Southern Illinois as I did 
Isaiah Simmons at Clemson, but if they get somebody who could step in and play that role, that is a big deal. Carolina, they did something similar with Thomas Davis. They got him in the middle of the first round out of Georgia. Uh, They brought him in to be a DB, and it became clear pretty quickly he was a linebacker, a tremendous outside backer, and a 4-3 defense. That's what Phil Snow wants to run. That's where Jeremy Chin's competing. Now, you might be thinking, Josh, why are you leading your show with Jeremy Chin just to tell us that this guy might be competing for a job, might be competing for some playing time? He could be a a contributor. I'm leading the show with this because Matt Rule said earlier today, when I asked him about Chin, he would be starting if the season opener was today. Here's how that sounded. Uh, Chin's going to play a lot for us, whether it's at safety or the big nickel. Um, he, he 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 plays really hard. I mean, he's talented, but he plays really hard and he plays really physical. And he's extremely coachable. And um, you know, as a young guy, he's a blank slate. So you know that there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some, you know, bumps and boozes along the way as a young player. But but he listens and he plays hard. So he's a guy right now that that if we went out there and played today, would probably be starting for us. And um, um, can do a lot of different things and be really versatile. Think do you about remember that. Something? Oh, shoot. I asked him a follow-up, didn't I? Can I hear the rest of that, Robert? I got a little bit too excited. I'm sorry. Do you remember something that stood out on tape that you watched about him coming out of FCS that really got you excited to coach him? Uh, I went back and watched the um, I went back and watched the one-on-ones from the Senior Bowl because obviously all that stuff is filmed and um, you know, you saw him playing press man versus draftable wideouts, you know, at 220 pounds. And that to me verified like, hey, this guy's really a special talent. If we have a chance, you know, he'd be someone that really fits us. That's the rest of that there. But him saying the reason why I interjected there and broke radio rules and ticked off Robert where he's staring a hole right through my forehead is because think about how great of a story this already is. If he starts game one at outside linebacker or big nickel, and for those that don't know, you play nickel if there's more wide receivers out on the field. You're seeing this a lot more with pass-heavy offenses in college football. Influences on the NFL. Carolina's in a division with Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. They put a lot of wide receivers out on the field, so you might want to go with smaller guys or versatile guys who could play outside backer and DB. Um if you're in certain packages that have to match up with those wide receivers. They like Chin, and as you heard Rule say there, he would start, and he liked the fact, at his weight, he could hang with wide receivers who were draftable receivers, and remember, this is seen to be one of the better wide receiver classes we've ever seen. That means a lot. Think about the story. I get into sports broadcasting Ultimately, because I love storytelling. I got into it. I love storytelling. I love things like Jeremy Chin. The idea, the last time this guy played a competitive snap of football was at the FCS level for Southern Illinois. And the next snap he takes, considering there's no preseason, against an opponent might be the Las Vegas Raiders of the National Football League. Having not been a first-round draft pick, not even been the Panthers' top two picks, 
That is an amazing story. Jeremy Chin is the type of story I get into this business wanting to tell, wanting to follow. He's an easy guy to root for. And if he's starting day one and he could contribute, that is a big deal for Marty Herney and a huge win for the Panthers evaluation staff, the Panthers scouting department. I want to shift things to the Charlotte Hornets. I've made up my mind. We are less than a week after the Hornets got the number three pick of the draft lottery. So I started thinking about three guys I would like the Hornets to take ideally. It's a lot of fun when you're picking in the top three because you don't really have to consider many names that you like. But here are the three guys in order, Robert, that I would like to see Charlotte take with the third pick. Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. LaMelo Ball. Australia and Lithuania, and Denis Avdia, the Israeli 19-year-old, six foot nine, can handle the basketball, can shoot. A lot of people are comparing him to Luka Doncic. I want Edwards, Lamelo, and Denis Avdia in that order. I don't think Anthony Edwards is going to fall. He's my favorite prospect in this draft. He's so strong. He's young. He's versatile. He's exactly who the Charlotte Hornets have never had. They have not had this guy since returning to Charlotte in 2004 with the Bobcats. They have not had that guy. Also, smaller markets need to take bigger swings. I've often said this. You can't try to think like the big dogs. You can't try to think like the Lakers. You can't try to think like the New York Yankees if you're in baseball. If you're a smaller market radio show, you can't do a national radio show and expect to be successful. Do take big swings, take chances, try to stand out. Charlotte, they need to take a big swing. You can't go safe just taking a college basketball player who doesn't feel special at all to fill a need. That's what it feels like you're doing with the Kongwu or Obi Toppin, who's 22 years old or even Devin Vassell out of Florida State. And there are a couple more I can name. Okoro, you you take your pick. I'm not a big wise men fan. I've made that clear. Smaller market teams need to take bigger swings. Luka, he was a big swing at number three in 2018. A lot of people liked him, but it was still a swing. Oh, he's soft. I don't know quite what he's going to be. Is this going to work? Not anymore. We're seeing Luka, how great he is. I don't want to see Charlotte taking somebody who can't shoot the basketball at the NBA level. I don't want to see it. You might cite LaMelo's release, the way it looks. Some are comparing it to Michael Kidd Gilchrist's release. Get out of here with that. It's not that bad. It needs a little bit of work, but he already has the vision down. He has, I think, the decision-making down. And it's already understood that he is better than Lonzo Ball when he came out. And Lonzo was for sure the number two pick for the Lakers. So LaMelo, I would like him secondly. I I don't know if he's going to fall to Charlotte. Avdia, he's the biggest swing there. But I think there's a massive amount of upside to taking who I'm already going to call here Israeli Luka. In a little over 15 minutes, Wake Forest head basketball coach Steve Forbes is going to join us. Coming up next, though... Why this week in Tar Heel football had me thinking about Larry Fedora and Dick Crum. Keep it here on The Drive. Here we come. 
I'm talking about Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. I've been giddy today. I don't usually drink coffee. That might be why. Got some coffee local here in Kernersville. But uh, I got so excited about the NFL trading card war, I accidentally opened my pack a little bit early. But I like the pack that I have here. For those who don't know, the NFL trading card war. Me and Robert, we open up pack cards. There's 12 packs or 12 cards in each pack. And we don't know what's in it. And we try to figure out where to place players in given categories. There are five of them. I used to love looking at senior senior yearbook superlatives. There's some of that in play. A lot of this is typecasting as well, but doing so with random players in the NFL. We get nostalgic about trading cards and senior yearbooks and things like that. So it's it's a really fun segment we like to play here. BDOT gets jealous that he doesn't get to play it because he comes in on Wednesdays. So let's dive right in for our NFL tra- trading card war. This means war! You're a tough little guy, aren't you? This means war! Hey, hey, it's cool, it's cool! This means war! What? Does it have to? Can it mean something else? Okay, you dirtbags! This means war! Finish him! As I said, my pack of cards already open, but I'll hold the piece of paper the to the microphone and and uh, just make it sound like I didn't. Theater of the mind here. All right. As we start looking at our entire pack, or you start looking at your pack, Robert, here are the five categories we have to place players into. Most likely to rock a banana hammock, otherwise known as the Borat. The guy you don't want to spend Thanksgiving with. Most likely to spend their game check, their entire game check at a casino. Most likely to have the cleanest locker. And most likely to date the coach's daughter. Really strong categories this week. How are you feeling about your pack of cards? Uh, Strangely, I feel very good. Uh, This was a stacked deck of cards. Not a lot of non-named guys. A lot of guys who are very well known. So this should be good. I usually judge that by the number of quarterbacks you have in your pack. How many do you have? Oddly enough, only one quarterback I think is going to be in play for me. Yeah, I have three quarterbacks that I think I'm going to play. All right, let's start here. Most likely to rock a banana hammock. I'm going to go with the name. Also, the guy I think would look best in it that I have, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Also a really good name just for wearing one of those. That's right. Nick Chubb. I got the name. The guy, he he has, he's really strong, sturdy. I think he would look good in a banana hammock. I think he would wear a banana hammock. Those Cleveland Browns, they like to have a lot of fun over there. Yeah, part of picking whoever this is isn't necessarily about who would look the best in it, but who would not feel shame in putting one on, and that's how I got DK Metcalf. Uh, Mm. The dude pulled his shirt off when he first met uh, the Seahawks front office. I think think he would look great. He could probably rip it off. I think he would look great wearing nothing, 
So a banana hammock would, would support a lot of his strong features, and the only thing he's got to worry about, just like in a football game, is his fumbling issue. Wow. <laughs> Can't fumble. Not That's, a lot of jumping up and down going on. I think just the chub portion of this makes that joke fit. I got a one nothing lead here. But DK, oh my goodness. Him without a shirt. Got to be careful around that photo. Number two. Guy you don't want to have around for Thanksgiving. Who are you going with? Uh, I have Derrick Henry. Not only is this dude probably going to go up for seconds, thirds, fourths, fifths, he's also going to push down everybody in front of him in line, uh, just like he did to the Ravens, just like he did to Earl Thomas, who might show up a little bit later on this list. I've got the perfect player. Uh, Just the perfect player for this one. A guy that is actually the perfect one to have that you don't want to have at your Thanksgiving meal. Aaron Rodgers. Because... I don't know if Aaron Rodgers does spend Thanksgiving. I don't know if he celebrates Thanksgiving. Aaron Rodgers, we know he has his family issues. We know he's just a curmudgeon and an unpleasant person to be around. He's ornery. Like Derrick Henry, you're right. He eats a lot. He does. But do people dislike Derrick Henry? Like, would you, like, not want to have a conversation with Derrick Henry? I don't think Aaron is that ornery. Like, where are you getting this from that he is like a... A A lot of his former teammates and coaches, like Greg Jennings out here criticizing him. There's a former tight end. I forget who it was. It wasn't Bubba Franks. But a former Packer tight end was criticizing him. There was a coach that said he was an issue as well, and he ended up uh, getting fired the next day when he was quoted in a story. And... There's also the stuff that Jordan Rodgers has said about Aaron, too. So there is a pretty big rap sheet on Aaron, which isn't great. You don't see a lot for quarterbacks. It's kind of like when people say that Cam Newton is a problem in locker rooms. I never really understood it when you don't really hear the same things people are saying about Cam or about Aaron Rodgers with Cam Newton. So Aaron Rodgers, that would be my pick. Since I gave myself the benefit of the doubt in the first one, Robert, I'm going to let you decide. Aaron or Derek Henry? You can have it. That's cool. But uh, we got somebody on the line who has a submission. Kevin in Burlington, who would you not want to spend Thanksgiving with in the NFL? David Carter. Does that ring a bell? No, who's that? 300-pound vegan who played football in 2014. You do not want him there. You will not have no vegetables. <laughs> David Carter. That's right. I got him here. 6'5", six, six, 300 pounds. Uh, yeah, played for the Cowboys. That's a, that's a good one there. I, I probably could box you out with Refrigerator Perry if we're going to go former guys. But, Robert, this is important for you. It's the third card here. Most likely to spend a game check at a casino. I do not like what I have. I got Jalen Hurts. And here's what I'm thinking. He's young. He's polite. He's a sucker. Like, he doesn't play cards at all or anything of that sort. But just because you're polite doesn't mean you're not competitive. All these guys you get to this level are competitive. So he strikes me as somebody who's going to get suckered and just compete a ton and have all his money taken away and not realize it until after the fact. 
Yeah, when I came up with this question, I was hoping and praying that I got a Raider on my team, and I did just that. I'm going to raise Josh Jacobs. He, it's his second year in the league. They're in Las Vegas. He's going to have a lot of time in casinos. He's going to be very popular with the ladies. Yeah, I think he me. can blow a whole check. You, you got me on this one. I didn't even think about the Las Vegas Raiders. I do have a Raider in my back as well that I might be saving for this very next card. Cleanest locker, Hunter Renfro. What? Uh, I went with Earl Thomas. Uh, he has the cleanest locker because <laughs> he cleaned oh, out his locker. No! Uh, no! He, he's no longer on a team. No! I've been duped! <laughs> I felt so good about the Renfro card. I probably could have won it with the casino if I had Renfro against Jacobs. But I saved it for cleanest locker because typecasting the Earl Thomas joke and truth of it, that's just too good and the timeliness of it. So you've tied this thing up rather quickly. You have two. I have two. It comes down to the final one here, Robert. Most likely to date the coach's daughter. Let's just first? think real quick. When you're talking about characteristics, dating the coach's daughter, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm not going to give you a bunch of pointers on how to frame your card to try to All right, to beat who me. do you got? I've got Austin Eckler. He's like, all right, since you're not going to tell me your points, how about you go first and tell me your points? Uh, I've got Austin Eckler. He's a real coach's coach or coach's player. Spends a lot of time in the field. He looks good. He's attractive. He probably spends a lot of time at the coach's house. Maybe the coach invites him over for dinner. His daughter's there. She's smitten by him. She comes to a game. He scores two touchdowns. Oh, Daddy, I really like him. And the coach is like, yeah, I really like him too. He's a great player. And that's how Austin Eckler ends up dating your coach's daughter. You made the mistake. I got Jared Goff. Jared Goff, he's the quarterback, so yeah, he does spend a lot of time with the coach. But also, I'm thinking douchey guy. Douchey guy is the one that dates the coach's daughter. Like, when you look at the history of athletes who have pulled off this feat, the quarterback is always the most appealing, and Jared Goff is dressing up like the guy in Malibu's Most Wanted for Halloween. He's going on Barstool Sports for interviews. Jared Goff, just your guy's guy's guy, and he looks like a douche. He plays for the L.A. Rams. He also went to Cal Berkeley. Jared Goff is the choice. It is the choice. I feel like if you're dating the coach's daughter, the coach has to approve of it. And if he knows of your antics and he knows you're not a good guy, he knows you're a douche, he's not going to let you date his daughter. Eckler is a lot more expendable than Jared Goff. So if you need – if Jared Goff, highest paid player on the Rams. You Higher than Donald? That's a good question, actually. Who is the highest paid player on the Rams? I didn't even think about Aaron Donald. Let me figure that one out real quick. Get IT on this. Highest paid player in the Rams is Jared Goff. Mm. There you go. You're not going to take that dead cat pit, even if it's for your daughter. I didn't say you have to cut him. You just don't have to let him date your daughter. <laughs> it's not that hard. You just be like, yeah, don't don't date that guy. He's getting cut in two years. Well, we're not assuming we she's a teenager. Here. She's going to make her own decisions here. I know, but I mean, still your parents have a little bit of this like decision to sway you. I'm going to leave it up to you. 
It doesn't matter to me. I don't. You don't win a lot. You can win this one. That's cool with me. <laughs> yeah! Robert saying, oh, you don't win a lot. Just take it rather than giving me any credit. Yeah! That's how the NFL trading card war ends. Jared Goff versus Austin Eckler. Who's most likely to date the coach's daughter? That's why this game is so great. I didn't know we'd end up in that conversation today. Coming up, the X factor for the Carolina Panthers defense, who's quietly becoming the best story in the NFL in trading camp. This is the Sports Hub. You're on the drive. When it's time to party, we will party hard. A lot to get to with our next guest, ESPN College basketball analyst Chris Patola. I do want to talk about something that Steve Forbes told us earlier in the show today, Wake Forest head basketball coach. But let's start with the excitement surrounding the Charlotte Hornets as they get the number three pick in the draft last week, improving their odds based on when they were originally slotted in the draft lottery. As somebody who covers college basketball so closely and keeps an eye on these prospects as they transition to professional ball, who among the options available to Charlotte excites you the most? That's a good question. Um, well, look, I, I think there's a lot unknown uh, about LaMelo Ball and, and James Wiseman. Um, I, I am of the opinion that both of those guys have the highest ceiling in, in this particular draft. Now, I, I think one thing, Josh, about this draft is, especially the, the guys in the top three, they're probably starting from a lower floor than we're used to seeing uh, of top three picks, you know, like, uh, you know, for example, Zion Williamson or John Morant, or their, their floor was a lot higher than, than what I see James Wiseman and, and LaMelo Balls in particular. But um, I think overall, in terms of a projection, Josh, I think both those guys uh, have unique skill sets that, that would set them perhaps in terms of ceiling higher than some of the rest. Um, the guy that I like the most, but I don't know, it's not necessarily a guy you would take if you're trying to find your next, the next cornerstone of your franchise or the next you know, second, third option of your franchise, but a guy who would fit well with the Golden State, who's obviously welcoming back to Hall of Famers in, uh, in Steph and Clay. Um, I love Onyeka Okongwu from USC. Um, he reminds me a lot of, he's actually, I think, going to be a better Clint Capella um, so that's a guy. I love Isaac Okoro uh, in, in what he brings. He's just offensively a, a, a little uh, – he's got a long way to go there. But, um, but those, you know, those two guys, Wiseman and Ball, I, I think probably they don't excite me like some of the drafts in the past, but I, I think in terms of ceiling, those guys probably have the greatest potential. Before we know it, we're going to be talking about college basketball starting or maybe college basketball starting in November. I asked – Steve Forbes about this earlier today, and he brought up some of the options that are being considered by ACC coaches on these weekly calls between all the head guys, and here's how that sounded. I think there's um, about four scenarios we're looking at right now, possibly. I think starting on time is one. I think starting, you know, maybe a week after that, or then maybe Thanksgiving, or then maybe the first of December. I don't know if we're considering right now starting in January. I think that would probably be worst-case scenario. But I do think we'll play basketball. I just don't know exactly 
you know, what day that's going to be is like when it's going to start. But He even went as far to say that Thanksgiving made the most sense with him, which falls in line with what John Calipari said. Hey, if the students are off campus, we can have a firmer bubble, assuming there are students on most of these campuses around Thanksgiving. When you're based on what you're hearing, conversations you're having inside college basketball, what do you think the most realistic option is for a start time in terms of college hoops? Yeah, I, I think the consensus is that they have to take advantage of, of time when the students aren't there. Now, I, I've pushed back on some of these guys and, and have you know, basically asked why we're essentially going to a, a bubble in all intents and purposes in a lot of these places. And, and some of the coaches I've talked to, they've got their – you know, athletes already quarantined, you know, basically removed from the rest of the population, whether they're in a hotel or they're in a, you know, a specific wing of the, of the of residence hall, or it's a program that has its own athletic dorm. So, you know, to me, Josh, obviously the, the, the start date, and this is one of the advantages of the NCAA being in charge of college basketball, the oversight committee being in charge of college basketball and, and, the NCAA being in charge of the postseason tournament is that you can, from a competitive balance standpoint, you can manufacture the start date. So I think one of the complications, and it's why Steve brings up the four options there that they're trying to nail down is what, what these schools, and assuming that some of them are still going to have students on campus, what the timelines are in terms of students going home so that you can now enter into the equation some of these exempt tournaments that will exist, still exist, but exist in a different form over that Thanksgiving break. So how, how can we figure out the timing of that? How can we figure out the timing of playing a, you know, because the idea would be to play some of these tournament, tournaments in a bubble around that Thanksgiving break and then begin conference play in earnest, be it in a bubble in a specific location or to do it within, you know, however conferences set up the parameters of it to do it where there is limited travel, but to get as many games as you can in uh, from that Thanksgiving break to the, you know, theoretical beginning of the next semester. Um, and then beyond that, figuring out how you finish up conference play and then ultimately have an NCAA tournament. But um, I think right now, Josh, it's about getting schedules on par where you could have an actual uniform start date across all of these conferences because I think what people need to understand, the big difference between college football and college basketball, there is a clear demarcation between the Power Five and its dominance in college football versus FCS and Group of Five, whereas in college basketball, there are a lot of non-Power Five conference school programs that masquerade as essentially Power Fives in college basketball. So that's the other thing I've heard from these coaches is how do we get – the Gonzagas, the Wichita States, some of these programs that are in non-Power 5 or Power 6 conferences, how do we get them uh, to be able to match the, the same schedule that the rest of, of college basketball would be on? And I don't think anybody, if things were pushed to January and you had a January through May hypothetical college basketball season, nobody's going to be crying medical concerns for the actual athletes themselves the way you would for football if you were try try to play in the spring and then quickly turn it around on a regular schedule in 2021. Chris Patola with us here. Shoot him a follow on Twitter, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, at Chris underscore Spatola. Let's talk a little ACC basketball. 
because <laughs> this headline to me I thought was a pretty big deal last week. Matthew Hurt apparently has picked up 21 pounds in weight from 214 to 235. He had some big rebounds last year. The Florida State game he had uh, a really big offensive board, hit some free throws to close that game out in Cameron. But we all felt like, yeah, he has another level to get to, and it starts with him picking up some pounds. It seems like, to me, Duke is in that top tier. Virginia, they're finally benefiting from the national title win and recruiting and bring back a lot. Would you limit the top tier of the ACC to those two, or would North Carolina and Florida State play a part in that as well? Yeah, I, I mean, I think certainly those two teams would play a part in it. Um, you know, it's. I, I think the top of the ACC is going to be very, very interesting, um, and I, I think you're going to see the resurgence of a, of a Georgia Tech. Um, I think they're going to. They're certainly going to have an opportunity to make the tournament, um, but I, I think. You know, you start with the guys who came back, and, and your example of Hurt is is a good one. Um, you know, the weight's great. I always like to see, I mean, because, look, everybody puts weight on over the summer. The question is, can you move that weight during the actual basketball season? Um, the one thing I do believe about Hurt is, you know, he's going to be, I, I would think, one of those shining examples of a guy who made the right decision to come back and takes his game now to, an, you know, to that next astronomical jump. Um, I, I think he's going to have a good year. I think coming back was absolutely the right decision. And, and from what I've heard, um, he, he has become significantly better outside of the poundage that he's put on. But, um, yeah, it's, I think the league's going to be much, much better, Josh. And I, I think some of it is, you know, look, one of the reasons the league was a little bit down last year is because they dominated the first round of the draft the year prior. But I, I think some of the guys who have come back, um, I think some of these middle tier programs, you know, for again, like a Georgia Tech, uh, I think have will have the ability to make a, a resurgence into a, a, you know, a higher tier, a top level. So, I think it's going to be more competitive. I do, and I think that top will be uh, will be interesting, particularly given the circumstances we're all dealing with. I mean, what these off seasons were like, what these preseasons have been like, what practice schedules get disrupted. Uh, because there are clusters that develop. I mean, there's, there's going, it's going to be a chaotic start to the year, and I think how coaches and programs manage that will be interesting. Chris, it's good to hear from you, man. It's just good to talk some college basketball. Again, shoot him a follow at Chris underscore Spatola. Follow his stuff there. I hope to be seeing you sometime soon, and I hope we're going to be talking about basketball sooner rather than later. Thanks for doing this. No doubt, Josh. My pleasure.